because uh, a few of you weren't there, we had begun the discussion of Muqtabat al-Abani Muqtabat al-Masamiyah, which is on the Fazail of the Naqshbandi Majadli Salsalah. And we are now on the second Fazila, which is the fact that Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, is uh, the Imam of the Salsalah. And now, Hazrat mentioned 40 particular points about the special fazilat of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq First one, and I will just repeat this very briefly, is that in the Mount Hira, when Sayyidina Rasulullah received the first revelation, and Ummul Mu'mineen Sayyidina Khadija she consoled the Prophet when he came back, using particular words describing his sifat, his akhlaq. So the very same thing happened when the Mushrikeen of Makkah Makaramah, when they came to Sayyidina Siddiq Akbar and when Sayyidina Siddiq was on the time of Hijrat and they were requesting to make Sayyidina Habsha was trying to request to make Hijrat from the Mashrakeen of Makkah Makarama to make Hijrat to Medina Manawra so the head of Makkah Makarama Ibn Dugna he came to the Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq this is an incident basically what happened was is that the Mashrakeen of Makkah were harming the Sahaba so Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq was the target because they couldn't go after the Prophet because he was protected by his uncle. So they tar- started targeting Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq. And then Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq first made niyat to do hijrah to Ethiopia, Abyssinia. And then when he made that niyat, he started, he left Makkah Makarimah. And the Prophet told him that he should go. On his way out, he met a Sahaba, a person who would later become a Sahaba, but this time he's unbeliever, Abu Dajana. And Abu Dajana asked him, that, Abu Bakr, where are you going? And he said that, you know, the Mushrikeen of Makkah have made my life miserable in Makkah Makarama. I can't stay there anymore. So the Prophet told me I should migrate to Medina Manawra. And then that person, Abu Dajnaf, said that, no, let's go back to Makkah Makarama. I will take uh, a pledge that I will protect you. And then he said the same words to Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq that Ummul Mu'mineen, Ummul Khadija, said to the Prophet that, Inna ka taqsabul ma'duma wa tasar rahima wa tahmil al-kalla wa tukri'ul daifa wa tu'inu ala nawa'ibil haq. The same words we did to you in the morning that Ummul Mu'mineen Khadija said about the Prophet. So the purpose of this was saying that even in terms of his personal characteristic traits, his attributes, people would describe him with the same sifat and attributes that they would describe the Prophet ﷺ. This is one of those 40 indications that he had this nisbati ittihadi or ma'iti kubra with Sayyidina Rasulullah Second thing that Hazrat mentioned last year was that in Quran Karim about the Prophet Allah that Sayyidina Rasulullah is Rauf and Rahim with all the believers. Rauf means kind and gentle, and Rahim means mercifully compassionate. And so this is the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described the attribute of the Prophet, which is Rahim. And Sayyidina Rasulullah, when he described the attribute of Sayyidina Abu Bakr, he said in the hadith, Arhama ummati bi ummati Abu Bakr, that the one who is the most merciful in my ummah towards his fellow members of the ummah is Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq and another why he said Al-Afu Ummati Abu Bakr that the one who was most ra'u for the most kind and gentle of my ummah is Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq so again we see that Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq had nisbati ahadi with Sayyidina Rasulullah third thing that Sayyidina Rasulullah said in the hadith Ana aghiru buldi adama wallahu aghiru minni or another why Ana aghiru bani adama wallahu aghiru minni ghayra means that to have a certain pride and dignity, it's a type of haya actually. 
that a person has a haya, but that haya means that they will not let their dignity and grace be violated in any way, and they won't let their love for Allah Taala, love for Deen, or for others, love for the Prophet love for Shaykh, love for Ulama, Mashaykh, be violated in any way. So that is called ghayra in Arabic and similarly in Urdu. And so Sayyidina Rasulullah said that I have the most ghayra from any son of Adam, means from any human being. Wallahu aghyur minni, and Allah Ta'ala has more ghayra than me. And then Ibn Ishad, who is the famous biographer, has written the Tabqat, who has written the biographies of Sahab and Tabin, he writes about Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, that in this ummah the one who had the most ghayra after the Prophet وسلم, is Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq anhu. So again we find this nisbati ittihadi between Siddiqi Akbar and Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam. And one example you can think of this is that after Sayyidina Rasulullah passed away then Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq decided to send an army against a group of people who believed in every single aspect of Islam. They even believed that zakat was fard. All they said that we were not going to send our zakat anymore to the center, to the capital, because that we did when the Prophet was alive, and now we would distribute the zakat locally on our own basis. Just for that reason, Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq decided to send an army against them, right, to, f- to correct them. And even Sayyidina Umar, who was so mashallah jalal, he even questioned this and he asked Sayyidina Abu Bakr, that, why are you sending an army against them? Just because they're making this one thing, and nukas, and this was the word that Sayyidina Umar used, that they have one slight deficiency in deen. So Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq had a very famous statement. He said, Ayun dinu wa anahayun. Can it ever be that the deen can even be slightly reduced when I, Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, are alive? So that method of expression, Ayun dinu wa anahayun, that means, Zindahu, I'm alive and this can happen? Never. That my ghayrat won't allow that to happen. That is a good way if you understand what ghayrat means. It means that a person puts all of their force and strength and pride and effort to defend something that they feel should not be violated. So this was the ghayrat of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq. Fourth thing about Nabi Karim Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala said in Quran And we have not taught you poetry and poetry does not befit you. Again, that doesn't mean that poetry is not allowed in Islam. Sayyidina Hassan ibn Thabit went to the Sahaba of the Prophet himself. The Prophet told him to recite poetry in Masjid Nabi from Nimbar Rasul But here, because the unbelievers were accusing the Prophet of being a poet, so Allah Taala is announcing in the Quran that the Prophet is Nabi Ummi. He's unlettered, illiterate. Nor does he know poetry. And Allah Taala is saying, we never taught you poetry, and it does not befit you. So this is what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala said about Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallam, and then Ibn Asa. Who is another great historian who has written Tariq al Dimashq and has also written biographies of the Sahaba? Ibn Isakir, when in his entry on Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, he quotes on the authority of Umm Mu'minin Sayyidatina Aisha that Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq in the age of Jahiliyyah he never ever recited a single poem and he never used to enjoy poetry. And after accepting Islam, he also never ever uttered a poem. So this suggests the nisbat between Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq and the Prophet that just like because this was a very poetic culture in pre-Islamic Arabia and Jahiliyyah and Nabiya Karim Sassam had no interest in poetry and Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq also had no interest in poetry. Lest you think, right, 
uh, that why is there so much poetry now, that this should be explained clear, that pre-Islamic poetry was completely devoid of deen, devoid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So is Nabiya Kareem some fitrat hanifa that he had no interest at all in poetry before Islam and also for Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq. And after the advent of Islam, then that person whose heart is being nursed by wahi and being nursed by Quran and hadith, they have no interest in poetry. Our mashaykh recite poetry for your benefit, not for their own enjoyment. Right? And that is because poetry is an expression of human emotions in words that human beings can understand when the vast majority don't have that level of iman and taqwa to fully emotionally experience the thickle, the immense weight of Quran, but they're able to have enough emotional capacity to experience the feeling of poetry. And this is why also uh, one of the ulama wrote about Ghaliban Imam either Imam Ibn Ibn towards the end of their life, they only were reciting Quran and teaching Hadith because at the end of their life, as their life progressed, these ulama and mashaykh, they get higher and higher in daraja, and then at the end of their life, they were only fulfilled and nourished by Quran and Hadith. So the poetry is often done for the sake of others, but in any case, uh, like we mentioned, Nabi Yaqeem Sassam did allow Sayyidina Hassan ibn Thabit, and right there you can find amongst the Salihin Tabin and Salihin Tabai Tabin, great poets in our history of Deen. So just wanted to clarify that. Point number five is that Sayyidina Rasulullah, in the time of Jahiliyyah, a lot of people used to drink liquor and alcohol was freely flowing. But even in pre-Islamic times, because Sayyidina Rasulullah is a Nabi and Allah Ta'ala has kept the Anbiya Ma'asum even before the manifestation or Izhar of their Nabuwa, Sayyidina Rasulullah obviously he never drank any alcohol. And it's written in Tariq al-Khulafa by Imam Jalaluddin al-Suyutirimullah in the life of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq that woman Aisha mentioned about her father, that even in Jahiliyyah he also never ever used to drink alcohol. So that is another aspect of the Nisbat al-Ittihadi. Number six is that Nabi Kareem Sallallahu used to love in his tabiya. Mm, he used to love cleanliness and purity. And that's why Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala said about him Quran, with the Fatahir that your clothing, Nabi Kareem Sallallahu you should keep it pure. And this was the mizaj, or this was the temperament of the Prophet. He was very particular about the cleanliness and neatness, you can say, of his clothing. So Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq had the same deep desire for purity and cleanliness of his clothing and once when making the hijra there is an incident uh, that is written in the books but the book is mentioned that written in the books that Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq went to go milk some uh, extract some milk from the udders of some goats and when he went to that other udder uh, tan the other to take out the milk and he was he cleaned it and he took the bowl and before he pr- uh, put the milk in the bowl he cleaned it thoroughly and then he brought that bowl with the milk to Nabi Kareem sallallahu and he covered that bowl with a piece of cloth that he had so that no particle could enter into that bowl so that it was used in an example by Hazrat to show what we call the nazafat or the fine sense of cleanliness that Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq had. So just like that we see that the halat of the life of the Prophet ﷺ are reflected and almost imitated in the life and the halat of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq. The number seven of the 40 things is that once Nabiya Kareem Sallallahu uh, 
in once Nabi went to the Haram to worship in the Kaaba. This is pre-Hijra in the early Makkan days, and one unbeliever, Rasul Nabi ibn Abi Mu'it, he seized the Prophet and tried to wrestle with him, or you can say almost tried to strangle him. And a similar incident has been narrated in the life of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, that once he also went into the Haram in these early days, and when he was also the subject of persecution and oppression, that the un- one unbeliever came and tried to attack him in exactly the same way. So this is another nisbat between the life of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq and Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam. Basically this nisbati itihadi means that the sifati imani are transferred entirely into the person but because of that also they have a mushabat they start resembling them in even features or events in their life so you're going to find both types of things mentioned here in these 40 examples some of them are going to be just that that the same thing that happened to the Prophet same or almost identical or similar thing happened to Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq and the way that our Mashaikh understand that is that that's not historical coincidence this was also part of the nisbat that Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq had with Sayyidina Rasulullah number 8 Sayyidina Rasulullah made a dua and this is a famous dua that Sayyidina Rasulullah made uh, due to which Sayyidina Umar ibn, Umar ibn Khattab and Hidai from Allah Ta'ala that the, again the Muslims in the early Makkan period were being persecuted and the Prophet made dua that may Allah Ta'ala strengthen Islam through one of two people and Allah Ta'ala accepted that dua in the haq of Sayyidina Umar Bidatanu. Similarly, Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq Rannu's dua and his dawah and his tarheeb is what brought Sayyidina Hamza who the Prophet called Asadullahi wa Asadur Rasuli also a very line. And in fact, Sayyidina Bakr brought Sayyidina Hamza first. And Sayyidina Umar became a Muslim later. So again, this is viewed as a nisbat that just as Sayyidina Rasulullah Sayyidina a line such as Sayyidina Umar to the fold of Islam, the dawah of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq brought a line like Sayyidina Hamza into the fold of Islam. The ninth resemblance between the two is that. When in the early Meccan period, when the Meccans were prosecuting Nabi Akram Sassam, the Nabi Akram's uncle Abu Talib, he went to the Prophet Sassam and he said that, Oh my nephew, that why are you putting such a burden on me that I'm finding it difficult to take? In other words, that after granting protection to his nephew, because it became so difficult, then he asked the Prophet Sassam to come. So the Prophet Sassam said, Oh my uncle, if these unbelievers were to put the sun in and Abu Talib asked him that what can please you why can't you settle with them so the Prophet said that if these unbelievers were to put the sun in one hand of mine and to put the moon in the other hand of mine even then that message and mission with which my Allah Ta'ala has sent me I will never ever stop propagating that I will never leave this mission similarly a similar thing happened to Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq that in the beginning of his Khilafat Rashida, and this is now coming that uh, story. In the beginning of this Khilafat Rashida, there were some people who denied to pay the zakat to Baitul Mal in the capital of Medina Manawra. And this was a time when Sayyidina Umar al felt that the resources of the Muslim armies had to be directed towards certain attacks or pending attacks by unbelievers. So Sayyidina Umar al he said the same thing to the Prophet. ﷺ. Sayyidina Umar said the same thing to Sayyidina Abu Bakr that Abu Talib said to the Prophet ﷺ, that why are you putting yourself in such difficulty? Can't you negotiate with the people? Can't you settle with them? Can't you compromise on something? So then Sayyidina Siddiq Yakbar said that famous statement that Ayun Kasundinu that can I ever handle that a slightest deficiency should come in deen and that while I am alive and then he addressed Sayyidina 
Umar and said to him, Ajjabarun fil Jahiliya wa Khawarun fil Islam. Allahu Akbar, are you, were you a courageous lion in Jahiliya in your pre-Islamic days and now you have become a destitute Khawar, uh, you have become a destitute, hum, not humble, destitute coward in your Islam. Now this is saying this to say that Umar takes a lot of effort. So this is how Nabi Yusuf responded, meaning, this is how Abu responded, meaning he refused to compromise on deen when he was Khalifa to Rasul, the same way Nabi Yusuf refused to compromise on deen when he was Rasulullah Sallallahu So this is the same, uh, same uh, mushamiyat. And this is why the Sahaba Ekonomi used to say Fakama Makam Al-Anbiya That they used to say about Sayyidina Siddiqui Rakhman That he showed such a level of Istaqamat That he stood in the place and demonstrated the steadfastness of the Prophets The tenth thing is that in the Qur'an Al-Kareem Allah SWT said about Nabi Al-Kareem Sallallahu And Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq About this journey of Hijrah Thaniyat Nini Idhuma Fil Ghar that Sayyidina Bakr was the second of the two when the two of them were in the cave. So this is showing that Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq was right there paired with Sayyidina Rasulullah Then this is what Allah Ta'ala said in the Quran and then Sayyidina Rasulullah addressed Sayyidina Abu Bakr once and said, Ya Abu Bakr, that oh Abu Bakr Siddiq Ranna ma what is your view about those two? Allahu Thalithuhma, that Allah Ta'ala is their third. So means that the Prophet Allah Ta'ala used the word Ithnain to refer to Sayyidina Rasulullah and Sayyidina Bakr. And the Prophet also used the word Ithnain to refer to Abu Bakr and him. So this is the nisbat in this number. Number 11 is that Nabiya Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told Nabiya Kareem Sallallahu Tahsan alayhim that you should not let yourself sorrow or do not let yourself grieve means that because the people weren't accepting Islam and they were opposing you. So Sayyidina Rasulullah said the same words to Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, La Tahzan inna Allah ma'ana that oh in, in during the Hijrah to Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq don't grieve and don't sorrow because indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with us. So the same words that Allah Ta'ala told the Prophet are the same words La Tahzan that the Prophet told Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq so this shows a nisbat in number one feeling a tabi sorrow that both of them were subject to feeling a personal grief and sorrow at events around them and that both of them were consoled by these words la tahsan the twelfth mushabit that Hazrat mentioned is that that uh, along with uh, like both the Prophet and Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq Both of their names have uh, the, one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala attributed towards it Why? Because when, people, when the Sahaba Kram used to call the Prophet they would say Ya Rasulullah sallallahu So when they would say Ya Rasulullah So that means that they would have the word Allah Allah Ta'ala's Isma Azam is in that appellation and when the Sahaba when Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq was Amir al-Mu'mineen and Khalifa al-Rasul so when the Sahaba used to call upon him and Tabi'in used to call upon him sometimes says Ya Khalifa Rasulullah Ya Khalifa Rasulullah that O Khalifa of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam so the same nisbat in the same name as opposed to Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen the Sahaba used to call him Ya Khalifa Rasulullah Thirteenth connection and resemblance between the Prophet and Abu Bakr Siddiq is that at the time of Hijrah, when the Quraysh were looking for Nabi Yaqin, were searching for him, and then they set a reward of 100 camels, that anybody who finds the Prophet 
or whoever discovers and gives up the Prophet they will give them a reward of 100 camels and then they, when they discovered that the Prophet had left with Sayyidina Abu Bakr then the Kuffar of Quraysh gave a second reward that anybody who tells us the whereabouts of Sayyidina Abu Bakr we will also give a reward of 100 camels so even in the eyes of the Kuffar there was a mushabit that the reward for finding either of them should be equal here again uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put a peculiar and unique resemblance in the lives of the Prophet and Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq the 14th nisbat is that on the occasion of the Battle of Badr, when 70 of Mushrikeen were killed and defeated in battle, but yet 70 others were taken prisoners. So Sayyidina Rasulullah's decision about them, uh, Sayyidina Rasulullah's decision or view was the same as Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq that he gave him which is that we should accept a fidya means that we should accept a ransom from their unbelieving relatives and free them and return the captives upon the payment of that ransom and Sayyidina Rasulullah's own view was muttafiq or agreed with Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq so even in this case there's a tabi munasbat even though however Sayyidina Umar Rizal's view was that no, they should not be ransomed and they should actually be punished for waging this war and they should be killed and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually revealed revelation after this incident which in Quran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it clear that actually Sayyidina Umar's decision was the one that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would have preferred and this is another chapter known as the Muafiqat Umar that those particular views of Sayyidina Umar which were the same view that Allah Ta'ala selected but the point is that Sayyidina Rasulullah and Sayyidina Abu Bakr shared the same view that they should be ransomed off the 15th thing is in Sulah Hudaybiyah when Sayyidina Umar Vedanta was very uh, perturbed at the conditions in this treaty of Hudaybiyah this was a negotiated settlement that the Prophet and the Sahaba once after several years in 6th year after Hijrah they wanted to go and make the Umrah and they decided that okay we wear ihram, we will go in peace, we will bear minimal weapons, we will take the sacrificial animals with us. But when the kuffar of the Quraysh found out, right, they first they sent an army to a particular place to meet the Prophet of Islam, so the Nabi took an alternate route, not the normal route, but an alternate route to Makkah Makarama, which goes to a place called Hudaybiyah. Then what the Sahaba what the Kuffar of Makkah did is they sent Khalid bin Walid and his cavalry and they stationed them around Makkah so that the entry from Hudaybiyah would be protected. Then the Prophet Allah Ta'ala revealed to him by making his camel sit in Hudaybiyah and not get up that the Prophet and Sahaba should stay at Hudaybiyah. It's a long story but then delegations came and after a number of delegations a treaty was agreed upon which is known as Sulah Hudaybiyah that outwardly appears to be highly one-sided treaty that favors the Mushrikeen of Makkah most famously for example that if anybody from Makkah Makarawa wants to accept Islam and migrate to Medina Manawra and if they reach there the Prophet will have to send them back however if anybody although there's no such incident that this ever happened but if every, anyone from Medina Manawra wants to apostate and go back to Makkah Makarama, the Prophet has to let them do so but most importantly that you won't be allowed to come for Umrah this year you have to go back and you can come next year now Sayyidina Umar was so stunned that why did the Prophet accept this and he wanted to go and do jihad against at that time Khalid bin Walid was on the other side and so 
Sayyidina Umar al-Nur, what did he say? He said to the Prophet that look in Badr, we were only 313 Sahaba and we were able to triumph over thousands. So why couldn't we do the same thing over here? But instead we have chosen to do sulha. So here Sayyidina Umar's rai was not muafiq to what Allah Ta'ala wished, right? Because not like it, that was always the case. But Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, his view was completely aligned with the Prophet and then he was the one who cooled down cool down or let's say explained um, explained the matter to Sayyidina Umar so again you see a nisbat between Sayyidina Rasulullah and Sayyidina Abu Bakr means Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq hikmat was he realized that Sulah Hudaybiyah was the right thing to do and he was completely supportive of the Prophet at that moment in number 16 okay this is another here, I won't I'll just do what's here. So the, there was a famous garden of Fadak, known as Baghi Fadak, or the Garden of Fadak. And this was in the ownership of Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam. And whatever income was received due to the sale of the fruits and produce of that garden, Nabiya Kareem Wasallam used to spend that money in charity on the children of the Banu Hashim clan which was his own clan. When Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq became Khalifa to Rasul, this was the same decision he made about this garden, that the income that was received from the produce and food of this garden should be spent in the same way that Nabi Yukrim Sassam spent it, even though, let's say there were some others who had a different idea, but the Prophet Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, his opinion and his amal was exactly the same as the opinion and amal of Sayyidina Rasulullah Sassam. This was the 16th example of their nisbat ittihadi Number 17 is that Banu Thaqif was also a different clan and uh, they went to the Prophet and they asked the Prophet that Ya Rasulullah we want to accept Islam but we want you to exempt us from praying Salah we want you to exempt us from praying Salah so Nabi obviously denied and refused that request similarly then uh, the same thing that we mentioned when Sayyidina Siddiqui Akbar became the Khalifa then there were some people who asked for an exemption from paying Zakat Right, and the Sayyidina Abu Bakr did not give them that exemption. So again, you have a nisbat that neither the Prophet nor Sayyidina Abu Bakr gave an exemption for one of the fraid. The number 18 of the 40 is that Sayyidina Rasulullah <coughs> There was another tribe known as the Banu Qadaa, and the Prophet led the Sahaba in a jihad against the idolaters and the non-believers of this tribe, and uh, this is known as the Ghazwa Zat Salasil. And Nabi Karim Sallam after he passed away from this world uh, then again people in there were some people in that tribe who became murtad who apostated so then again Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq he led the Sahaba Kramans again in jihad against the same tribe in the same area so this is also mentioned as a nisbat between the Prophet and Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq number 19 is that in the time of the Prophet Amr ibn As who was a Sahaba, the Prophet appointed him as the Amir of a Ghazwa, Amir al Lashkar, as one of the heads of an army. And similarly, Sayyidina, Rasul, Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, he kept him as a general throughout his entire Khilafah. In number 20, is in the ninth year of Hijri, Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq was sent by the Prophet as the Amir of Hajj, as the leader of the delegation of Sahaba going for Hajj. And in the tenth of Hijri, Sayyidina Rasulullah he went himself 
to perform Hajj as the Amir of Hajj, that's after Fatih Makkah. So before Makkah, Fatih Makkah, one sin Abu Bakr Siddiq was Amir of Hajj. So again, a nisbat between them that they were both once Amir of Hajj in the lifetime of the Prophet Wasallam. Number 21, Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam. Once his grandson Sayyidina Hassan Wadi came to the Prophet and the Prophet lifted him up and uh, sat him on his shoulder. Similarly, when Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq was Khalifa to Rasul and then he was walking once in a lane and Sayyidina Hassan he saw Sayyidina Hassan the grandson of the Prophet so he was still a young boy so he picked up Sayyidina Hassan and he put him on his shoulders so again this is the ittihad of Waqiyah the same incident the same occurrence that is happening and this Mayyat was not just uh, now then the next section is that up till now Ben has the Mayyat in terms of their individual self now from 22 onwards Hazrat uh, mentioned Mayyat from 22 to 30 is family resemblances in, cer- in certain fa- aspects of their family. So number 22 is that Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu son-in-law was Sayyidina Uthman and Sayyidina Ali radiyallahu ta'ala anhumma as-sabiqun al-awwalun they were from the sabiqun al-awwalun and Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq son-in-law was Sayyidina Zubair radiyallahu ta'ala who was also viewed to be amongst the sabiqun al-awwalun sabiqun al-awwalun are those who uh, were the foremost and earliest in accepting the of Islam. Number 23, that Nabi Karim's son-in-law were from the Ashram Mubashra, and just like that Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq son-in-law was also from the Ashram Mubashra, means Yani Sayyidina Uthman and Sayyidina Ali were from the Ashram Mubashra, and also was Sayyidina Zubair with the Allah Ta'ala Anam Number 24, is that Sayyidina Rasulullah son-in-laws were from the Muhajireen Sahaba and again Sayyidina Siddiq Yaqbar son-in-law was also from the Muhajireen Sahaba number 25 Sayyidina Rasulullah son-in-law's daughter uh, Bibi Fatima Tanzahrat radiya ta'ala anha she the Prophet has mentioned that she is said that the Nisan Ahlul Jannah that she is the leader of women she will be the leader of women in Jannah and Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq when his daughter is Ummul Mu'mineen Sayyidatina Aisha Tanha, and about her the Prophet said that superiority of Nalfadila and superiority of Amma Aisha over all other women is just like the superiority of a dish called Tharid over all other types of foods Tharid was a uh, favorite food of the Prophet which consists of meat with a lot of gravy and you break up pieces of bread and soak it in that gravy and that is known as Sarid. So it means that both of their daughters have a hadith about their fazilat over all other women. One sense say that the Fatima has fazilat over all women that she is the leader of women in Jannah. In another sense say that the Ashrana has fazilat over all other women because that's the word the Prophet said that her fazilat over all other women is just like the fazilat the virtue and merit and superiority of Sarid over other foods. 26 Nabi Karim Salam's daughter Sayyidina Fatima Ramadan had a uh, let's say faced financial difficulty at home and she um, lived her life in a state of near poverty or in poverty but uh, she never uh, and because of that she had calluses on her hands and similarly Sayyidina Siddiq Yaqbar daughter said that Asma 
Asma binti Abi Bakr anha, she had a similar thing uh, that in her home there were very uh, straightened and difficult financial circumstances and she also had calluses on her hands. So here again, Hazrat was mentioning a nisput between the two that both of their daughters were tested by Allah subhanahu in such a way and they had to do a lot of their own hard manual labor themselves such as they got calluses on their hands. Number 27 is that Sayyidina Rasulullah, he's Sallallahu grandson. Sayyidina Rasulullah, Sallallahu grandson, Sayyidina Hussain Bilan refused to give the bayat of imanat and khilafat, refused to pledge his allegiance to the ruler Yazid. And just like that, Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq's grandson and means son of daughter so there's no English word for that but Nawasa so the son of the daughter of the Prophet Sayyidina Hussain was the son of Sayyidina Fatima he refused to give the oath of political allegiance to the leader of his time Yazid just like that the son of the daughter Yani uh, Abdullah bin Zubair who was the daughter of Asma bint Abu Bakr he also refused to give uh, the pledge, political pledge of allegiance to the same Yazid so again you have a nisbat in the two families number 28 Sayyidina Hussain anhu was bestowed upon shahada and martyred and just like that Sayyidina Abdullah bin Zubair was also martyred in this path due to this decision so it means both of their grandsons uh, were martyred in the same way in the path of Allah number 29 Sayyidina Hussain anhu was uh, So let's stop over here because that will take a bit of time. Subhanallah bin Allah Muhammad 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 Sallallahu ta'ala nabihi sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Bi rahmatika ya arhamallahi wa rahmatika